I was able to get Doom Doom 2 running on the John Deere tractor. And yeah, it made world news, obviously, because it's, it's hilarious. Hi, and welcome to Cyber Reason's Malicious Life B-Sides. I'm Ran Levy. I must admit that I know next to nothing about farming. As a kid who grew up in cities for all of my life, if I had to grow my own food, I'd probably starve to death. I mean, I don't even know how to plant a cow to get milk. It's all kind of fuzzy for me. But in recent years, even I have heard the name John Deere quite a few times. And not in a good context, unfortunately. John Deere, for those of you who haven't followed agricultural news for uh, the last 185 years, give or take, is the brand name of an American corporation called Deere & Company, which since 1835 has been manufacturing agricultural machinery such as tractors, tillers, drapers, and other machines that I know nothing about, and which somehow makes it so that food grows out from the ground. Like many similar companies, John Deere also tries to adapt itself to the challenges of the 21st century by integrating more and more advanced technology into its products. Unfortunately, it seems that they're not very good at it. John Deere made the news in recent years when it became known that their software licensing policy actually forbids farmers from fixing their own tractors. Only John Deere's technicians are allowed to do that, for a hefty fee, of course. This policy enraged many farmers and digital rights activists and sparked a new public debate concerning the right to repair. Another outcome of this problematic policy is that some Ukrainian farmers have come up with a pirated version of John Deere's tractor software that allows them to circumvent these restrictions. This rogue software quickly spread around the world, which means that many thousands of machines are now more vulnerable to remote cyber attacks. And the latest bad news to hit John Deere came in the form of a 2021 DEFCON talk by an Australian white hat hacker and independent researcher called Sick Codes, who managed to hack not only into the tractors themselves and run Doom on them, as you've heard in the intro, but also to hack John Deere's Global Operations Center, demonstrating how hackers can easily take over a huge number of farming machines all over the world. Nate Nelson, our senior producer, spoke with Sick Codes about how he hacked the entire American food supply chain over the course of only three months. Enjoy the interview. So we're going to be talking about hacking tractors, which is something that I'm not sure how many people who listen to our show knew such a thing could exist. So since when are tractors even like a cyber entity, a threat surface? Yeah, so tractors themselves, I mean, they're pretty, you know, like just like cars and things like that, or mining and, and trucks and those type of industries, aviation. So they're pretty static, you know, items. But then again, you know, typical, you know, Moore's Law fashion or whatever you want to call it, 
they ended up becoming smart devices. So tractors in the last few years have been undergoing some sort of arms race. That's the way I described it last year's DEF CON. Basically, they're just adding all the telemetry that you see and every other thing that you own, um, you know, they want to know. But farming is a little bit different because you want to know soil temperature, you know, oh, that's, that's a really random one, actually. Um, you know, soil quality, air quality, um, you know, engine speeds, things like that. And also, you know, w- you know wheel pressure, tire pressure, whatever. You know, even even they've got uh, cameras in the back of the of the combine where they can actually see the crop coming through and actually you know a- aggregate data based on what's literally coming in o- over the auger or the the little arm, the boom arm that comes out of the tractor or combine. So basically, you just you know jump in the tractor. You have to do the corners, which is something that um, John Deere is working on with the AI. But uh, you do all the corners yourself, but then the lines and the rows of when they actually you know take the crops out, that's all automatic. It's all GPS automated. It's all you know, radio controlled. It's Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all that sort of stuff. And you can imagine all the different things that can go wrong with that. So, how did you go about first exploiting a John Deere tractor, or just unpacking what was in there? Yeah. So, like you know, most great stories, I went to eBay and um, picked up some some stuff on eBay. Got got some Italian guy to send me. Well, I paid for it. I, I got him to send me a, his device. So it came in secondhand, you know, all of his data was still on it. So it was great. So I could, you know, didn't have to generate data out of nothing. Um, you know, I could see his farm. Um, he's obviously expecting me to, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, I'm not going to use his data or anything, but it, uh, yeah, just like there was dummy data in there realistically. And, you know, I'm able to inspect the device, open it up, you know, tinker with it, play with it. And that's exactly what I did. And I was able to get quite far into the OS. Yeah. What kind of OS and what kind of software is it running? So they run Wind River Linux, which is a, it's pretty much a defense distribution of um, Red Hat. So uh, it's the same Linux that you'll find in F-18s, I think it's F-18s, F-22s, F-35s even. So basically it's just Red Hat based Linux. Uh, You'll find it in most, even Javelin missiles actually, I just remembered, and ICBMs. So it's this really like core version of Linux that most people don't even know about unless they're in defense or automation or automotive or whatnot. I'm not sure that there's anything else to say about it, but like you're telling me that the same stuff that runs tractors runs intercontinental ballistic missiles and javelins. Yeah, it's the Linux that goes in the missiles and then doesn't come back because obviously missiles don't return to their destination. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like that. It's crazy just a little Linux. strange of an idea. Yeah, it is. It is. It's funny when you think about it because like, like you think about it, like oh, how do missiles get from one place to the other? They must have something in there. Well, it's Linux, and it is, and it's Wind River Linux, funnily enough. And then you boil it down; it's literally just friggin' uh, Red Hat, and um, you know, it's you know, rail based. Sorry, it's rail based. Yum package manager, everything. It's got the works. A U boot as well. It's like it's like a full blown Linux distro. Obviously, if the missile doesn't explode, then you know, you've got problems where people can reverse engineer. I wouldn't be the first to put my hand up and go and inspect an undetonated javelin missile, but um, you know that that kind of distro is something that would be quite valuable for you know anyone in the world. So for me, getting it off the John Deere device was pretty pretty cool. You know, I was able to get that, modify it, and um, make significant changes, which we'll probably talk about. And there's going to be a certain point where like the really really deep technical details may be too much, but can you bring me through the steps of how you unpack this thing and started to exploit it? In the easiest way possible, well, basically, I took the hard drive out 
and changed it and put it back in. It's literally all I did in terms of um, that's the easy way to explain it. And then when I say like that, it sounds like I did nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but but um, you know, it, was, it involved a soldering iron, multiple soldering irons, you know, uh, heat heat guns, you know, f- you know, stencils so you can put the put the paste on there, solder paste. You know, it's fully complicated. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Like it's just saying, took the hard drive out, put it back on, um, modified it obviously, and then put it back on. Lot- lots of different tools involved specialized tools as well and, and importantly tools that didn't exist when the devices were created or manufactured so things like the manufacturers weren't expecting when they created it which is obviously very um you know there's issues involved with that and there's the other issue involved with that is you know tools like Ghidra and, and Ida and whatnot being able to reverse engineer software that was released you know a couple of years ago five years ago even um and obviously 10 years ago you can blitz through that sort of stuff um you know being able to reverse software that was released especially on hardware from the past is quite quite powerful because most of those devices or whatnot they weren't actually expected to be able to be reverse engineered when they were created so you know being able to just reverse the stuff you know backtrack what they did and pretty much work out exactly what they did you know timestamps, all of the stuff they added you know artifacts that they left in there things they weren't expecting people like me especially people like me to see how uh, old is this technology because you're mentioning now that they didn't have what you had in mind when they made this stuff yeah, this is only 2016 stuff. But you can imagine, I think 2016, what, we're still on like kernel two or three or something like that. Um, you know, if you think about that, we're now at kernel six, as in Linux kernel. It just seems like that long ago. And it was a long time ago. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near what I'm, what I do today back in 2016, if you think about how long ago it was. And then if you think about the tools that are around now, like the amount of tools and, and, or even the, the, the word ransomware, ransomware wasn't even invented pre- practically in 2016. Do you know what I mean? Like, the amount of uptick in, in attacks and things like that, the battlegrounds change, yeah. It's probably the best way to put it. I think that our listeners like to have a sense of the the nuts and bolts here. Can you give me an example of like one or two of those more specialized tools and how you use them to unpack all this? So one of the specialized tools that I used was a EMMC card reader. So basically uh, you can take off the NAND flash, which most manufacturers don't even, they don't put them, them on themselves. They get like Samsung, uh, Micron, uh, who else is there? There's on the sound. Yeah, Toshiba, yeah, SK Hynix, all these guys, uh, all these companies create those flash chips, flash the memory at the uh, PCB factories like Continental or whatnot. And I think it's Continental board, this one. And they put the flash on there. So the manufacturer never actually does it themselves. So they're on the same playing field as, say, for example, myself. So take off the chips that have got, you know, they're very small chips, you know, they're only like half an inch in size with 16 gigabytes of, um, of memory on there and that's the whole operating system so if you duplicate the operating system you can imagine what you can do with that you can copy it across to another device and then run it on a separate device which i've able to i was able to achieve as well i didn't actually mention that at defcon because um uh, it was yeah it was quite a special event <laughs> i didn't want to show all my cards um <laughs> okay so i was able to i'm able to do stuff that um obviously the manufacturer in this case john Deere. That's that's something that to look at, and I'm not the bad guy, by the way. I'm just the, and I'm like I said, ethical hacker. It's the first word I use, or white hat, or good good faith hacker. I prefer. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to all of the benefits of the work that you did later in the interview. But firstly, is this the kind of attack that others can pull off? I mean, you've been an ethical hacker for years now. You're very technically adept in the way that I imagine most hackers. You know, would they be able to completely dismantle and know exactly what to do to a tractor? Um, it just sounds kind of complex to me. You know, it's not not crazy work. What I did, it's practically, you know, like I said, it's just taking the hard drive out and putting it in. 
like taking an SD card out of your phone, except this SD card's stuck to the board uh, and you've got to know what you're doing and things like that. You can burn the chip in half, um, literally. The hardest thing, I think, the whole thing um, was I didn't have a roadmap. So, you know, no one else was telling me this, this that, you know, what, how to get into it. And a lot of people actually gave me wrong ideas of how to, how to do things. And I thought, like I do with all, most hacking is just, you know, close going blind and i think that's the best way to do stuff is like you know it's like like getting two different pen tests if the two pen test companies talk to each other are they the same the same test you know what i mean if they're the same squad yeah so i like to go in completely blind and then go back over research that pe- people have done in the field and in this case it was not much if i recall correctly and and you'll correct me if i'm wrong at one point in my research uh you were or these articles were talking about how you can um by virtue of how John Deere builds the tractors, they give themselves remote access in order to do like maintenance on these machines. Is it just that these tractors, you know, weren't so cyber secure that you got in? Or was it by virtue of how John Deere is designing their tractors that you could manipulate their own maintenance to your ends? Yeah. So regardless of what they do, I have the ability to do what I do. You know, like they think that they're on, you know, cloud nine and they can just they can just create this, whatnot, and listen to the manufacturer, listen to the OEMs above them. You know, I've, I've been to a couple of conferences lately since DEF CON and, you know, including car manufacturing and things like that. And I've heard different topics and ideas from leading industry experts. And some of the stuff, you know, obviously I agree with. And some of the stuff is like, oh, that's kind of an odd, you know, like, you know, the ability to leave JTAG in there, the ability to leave UART in there or, you know, SPY and I2C, all these different communication protocols, you know, elevation, like lots of different ways that you can, access device and no matter what they do like i said i'll be able to get in there like if if they can run it at runtime i can get in it that's pretty easy regardless of how sophisticated the attack is given enough time and as john deere said in their statements they just copy pasted the same statement everyone which was c codes demonstrated you know persistent advanced um invasive threat what were you in the end able to achieve I decided that I would decide, I would call it a jailbreak because I was able to defeat John Deere's jail, you know, install my own software, achieve things that farmers, you know, previously were, were considering as, you know, theoretically impossible. Obviously, the first app that I put on there was um, the meme, <laughs> the game Doom, which is, you know, the 1993, mm. 1994 back-to-back, um, <laughs> back-to-back, uh, yeah, game Doom, special game. Everyone knows it. Well, most people know it. They know the sounds, they know the images, they know, like, you know, they recognize it from a distance. And when people put Doom on there, as you know, um, it practically is the, the way of telling the public or anyone else that this product is has been hacked or it's been Turing completely, you know, it's Turing complete in terms of what you're able to do with it. Because, like, obviously, I can install whatever I want now. If I can install Doom, I can install Crisis. No, nah, I'm joking. But, you know, I can yeah. install um, YouTube, you know, Chrome, you know, I understand. malware, for example, lots of different things. Did you get like a working version of Doom onto a tractor screen that you could then use the tractor controls to play? I did. I was oh able to get goodness. Doom. Yeah, I was able to get Doom, Doom Two running uh, on the John Deere tractor, and yeah, it made world news obviously because it's it's hilarious and it's also quite concerning, but it's also liberating as well. Is that why you did it? Like, what was your your motive here? What did you hope would come out of all of this? I put the information or the report or the presentation out there so that people who think they know what, the, you know, people people know what's possible. 
uh, including John Deere as well, obviously, because and DHS and <laughs> and the enemy and all that stuff. So lots of different people know what what the capabilities are now, and that information alone is probably enough to square someone up to actually have a crack themselves to get to get involved. And that's all I did. You know, I didn't I didn't like I published a lot of slides. I, I showed exactly how I did it, but I didn't really show any major vulnerabilities. I just showed this is what I did. And if someone else wants to take that to the next level, obviously they can. The best strategy for organizations to avoid becoming a victim of ransomware is to prevent the attack from being successful in the first place. CyberReason remains undefeated in the fight against ransomware because it moved beyond alerting to deliver an operation-centric approach that detects and prevents ransomware attacks at the earliest stages of initial ingress and lateral movement. The CyberReason predictive response capability disrupts ransomware attacks prior to data exfiltration and long before the ransomware payload can be delivered. Visit cyberreason.com to learn more about predictive ransomware protection and how your organization can realize both increased efficiency and efficacy through an operation-centric approach to security operations. Were there any other ways that you cracked John Deere in the past that we haven't yet gotten to? Yeah, so the previous year uh, with a team of researchers, we actually breached their mainframe. Um, so we got into their, you know, Pega, Pega Systems account, you know, looking at our tokens and whatnot. We got into their um, equipment booking systems, so you download that, injecting databases, all this sort of stuff, cool stuff, you know, like proper web hacking. And I think recently, actually, um, another group of researchers, um, I think it was spearheaded by Sam Curry. He, uh, they actually hacked, uh, hacked Deer to the core again. So they've done a big top hacker one hackers, absolutely wrecked, um, John Deere again, I think recently, and they're actually working to disclose that one. So, and how has John Deere responded to being completely and utterly dismantled by yourself and then these other researchers? I was actually recently in Iowa. You know, I was in John Deere home turf uh, recently. It took me five airplanes to get there, believe it or not. And I went to their, you know, I went to CornCon and, you know, presented in front of them. We had a chat and stuff. And, you know, they're on the right mission. You know, they're getting, they're coming around to the idea that, you know, ethical hackers are good people. Was there any resistance when you first published this research or were they very cooperative the whole time? Well, at the start, they didn't have a proper team to liaise with. I think I emailed API support to Deer or something like that. And it was all, it's fun and games for about a month. And then I got CISA involved, DHS, whatnot. And they helped us coordinate with them. And they actually took the lead for a bit and tried to make it, because they also didn't know that how connected ag was and they didn't have an ag team and things like that there's no ag isac yet the ability of john d at the time they were scaling it up you know they were getting ready for the bug bounty program but i just practically expedited all that yeah so i think what i'm gathering here is that most people don't think about this much in a cybersecurity context so the company doesn't think about it much because they don't have to because it's not in their profit margin and so you come in and it's sort of a cakewalk for all these reasons yeah, so it's not, not just necessarily in their profit ideas. It's also in their like in their their mission. Like you know, if they haven't had an event such as Colonial Pipeline, um, uh, JBS, and I think the other one was Agco got ransomware. If they haven't had an event like that, then there wouldn't be the incentive to actually you know update. You know, cost money. So like like exactly what you said. Um, what's the point? You know, unless someone's actually attacking us. And now, obviously, 
installing Doom on a tractor is kind of a, a fun thing and a way to bring awareness, <laughs> but let's really spell this out here. So if you can install any of your own apps onto a tractor, what theoretically could you do if you had worse intentions? Well, I mean, the tractor, there's always there's this trend of cars and tractors moving away from the CAN bus and moving everything on the CAN bus is the, you know, the controller network for the car that, you know, the lights, the, the, the dimmers or the indicators or you guys call them turn signals, I think. Um, so all of that stuff runs on CAN bus. Newer cars runs on automotive Ethernet, higher bandwidth and stuff. So a lot of the compute is done in the infotainment system in your car, which is the screen you're tapping on. And in the tractor, same thing. It's in this display. So you can actually do a lot with that display like you can do everything practically everything you can send can messages out you can read can messages stop them you know repeat them so theoretically you can run the tractor as in you can turn the turn it off turn it on make it go faster make it go too fast you know make it crash into things uh, you can you know, see the cameras in the vehicle uh, play with the aircon what motive would a hacker have in the first place to target a farmer of all the things they could possibly target in the world uh, I think the biggest one's obviously ransomware. And, you know, as you guys, as your company knows, the uh, ransomware landscape is very fluid, active, and you know, not being able to... And farmers have got money, they've got insurance, they've got all that sort of stuff. So it's a rife industry for people to, to attack because, you know, ICS is very, very critical. And, and the attackers or the threat actors, they know that it's probably one of the most lucrative things to hack because if you hack something that people rely on, then they're going to spend money to get it unscrewed up. So yeah, ransomware, um, you know, sabotage, I guess, you know, espionage, stealing farm data from people, um, you know, competitors hacking each other, you know, stealing trade secrets, lots of different attacks that uh, you can imagine and translate across other industries as well. Yeah, and I imagine if you can hack, if you could stop agriculture, then that's just about the worst kind of consequence of any kind of attack that I could imagine. If it's not there, the world pretty much stops. Uh, you know, there's no energy, there's no production, there's no nothing, you know. So you can imagine uh, you know, the risks that are involved with being able to, you know, systematically destroy parts of the food chain by, you know, disabling devices, DDoS in farming, you know, de dis denying service to a tractor or a combine or harvester or whatnot during harvest season is a critical issue. If there's no tractor, there's no food. There's no, nothing in the supermarket. Uh, there's some quote, what is it? We're, we're three meals away from World War Three. Is that the one? <laughs> so yeah, so you can imagine what happens if nobody's fed. I mean, during the pandemic, we saw we saw examples of that with, you know, some places, for example, ran out of items during, during the pandemic and people went bananas. So yeah, it's indicative of what can happen if things go wrong. And I think some of the subtext, just by virtue of when we're talking about this, may be uh, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. What is the worst damage you could imagine uh, hackers doing to a farm farmer or food supply, in theory, if they were sophisticated enough to do this at a broad scale? If you think about what I did at the DEFCON, I actually jailbroke the tractor. So, I mean, the worst thing, if you think about it from a different angle, would be stolen tractors can be refurbished because you can just jailbreak them and get back into them another one is um you know disabling tractors from working in certain areas you know i think they've got problems with you know data reception and things like that at the moment power as well so you know fuel whatnot grain theft storage etc there's a lot of different issues that i could see happening and there has been comments in the past definitely about you know the theft of grain bins with tons and tons of um of uh, wheat barley you know things like that and that's valuable 
critical resources for countries. And being able to deny a country or a region, even a region from food, regardless of which side of the of the spectrum, it's obviously damaging to the people that live there. So yeah, there's definitely follow-on effects from attacks on agriculture for sure. You know, as, as if attack turning off power, turning off food would be exactly the same sort of uh, preposition. Oh my god. Oh my god. CK music, 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 music.